Welcome to the Workshop Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and today I am joined for today's 5-Minute Monday by my wife, once again. Because on Patreon, they all said that they liked her. So there we go. Say hi. Hello. So I thought we'd talk today about a Japanese concept that uh, it's called wabi-sabi. Oh, you were just making me listen to how to pronounce that word? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's I wanted to make sure I was saying it right. So wabi-sabi is, is kind of the beauty of imperfection and you know the story of the object through its its imperfections and characters characteristics and stuff of so we have a picture frame on our mantelpiece that has is that our is that our first picture we took together you know? we were like actually dating yeah uh well no yeah so no we're yeah uh we've been married long <laughs> enough that we've both forgotten well no it's just it depends on when you define when we actually started dating let's say because officially. if it's official like my definition of it then yes that's our first like couple picture when we're dating if it's your idea of when we started dating then no apparently i was a creeper and we started dating before the official date according to my wife anyway mm-hmm. anyway you so, claim we did i don't claim we did so this picture in the frame it fell off and uh and got broken and so I repaired it by by using epoxy, and it was tinted epoxy, and so it, it highlights the cracks. But according to the, the Japanese philosophy of wabi-sabi, as I understand it anyway, these cracks and imperfections are highlighted in order to highlight the story that the object has gone through, and that adds to the beauty and the aesthetic of the object. Does that make sense? Yep. What what are your feelings on that? <laughs> um I think there is like beauty in the imperfections and I actually find myself looking at that frame more often than maybe other frames that we have up there. And not just because we look younger and I feel a little bit sad, but but because I'm reminded that something broken can be fixed. Yeah, so one of the things I I've been thinking about over the last few weeks or more now is is the perfection of imperfection you know like when it comes to creativity when something's handmade it typically isn't perfect like it came out of a machine you know like like ikea furniture for example is all uniform and the grain is perfect and everything slots together really nice but it's clearly not a handmade thing and therefore it's cheap does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think I get where you're going with that. Is there anything that you can think of, like creativity-wise, where you find the imperfect is more beautiful than the than the supposed perfect? Well, when we were at the Corning Glass Museum, one of the things that I really enjoyed looking at, I mean, obviously the Tiffany display, I loved looking at the old Tiffany lamps. They're, they're not perfect. They're not perfectly even. The lighting isn't exactly perfect but there's such beauty in the design and the and what it looks I, I love the look of those old tiffany lamps and the stained glass and the there's even a beauty in the way that it when those big windows were starting to like i don't know if melt is the right word but you know like when it's sagging just a little bit sagging just a little bit um they were more beautiful to me and the handmade pieces are more beautiful to me than the thousand of exactly the same glass cut 
glasses that you would get at Canadian Tire or something, right? Like there's so much beauty in, you know, someone's hands touched it, someone worked on it and put love into it. It's like when I tell the kids that food tastes better when I make it because I make it with love. Whereas when I make it, I just make food. Yep. (laughs) I make consumables. (laughs) You make consumables. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that I noticed about those Tiffany lamps in particular at the Corning Museum was, yeah. was the the fact that they weren't perfect. No, there was not variation at all. in them, and mm-hmm. yeah, and lots of that, lots of that art was really interesting to look at because it wasn't. You know, glass is typically a a perfect object. You know, in and yeah, what we see. Yeah, yeah, it's optically clear and smooth. Mm-hmm. It's it's designed to not be there. But uh, the Corning Museum, lots of that stuff was kind of imperfect. I remember having a conversation with one of my Instagram friends, uh, Dorn Violins, about he just finished a violin and uh, he was starting the distressing process on it. And, you know, I, I asked him how long it took to, to make this violin and, and I asked him if it, if he made it if it if it felt bad to get to this level of perfect finish and then start rubbing dirt on it and and scratching it up and all that type of stuff and and he said no because that is part of the finishing process because it because it looks better if it looks like it's been used and so it's almost like the perfection was turned into imperfection to make it a little bit more perfect than it was yeah that's interesting i think there's something to that to the worn of something that you're that attracts you to it and on a totally different note where my mind was going with the the perfection thing is how often today and what we do all our kids see is perfect things and how many of the kids don't go into creativity or creative pursuits right now because it can't be perfect but all they see is factory produced quote-unquote perfection or pictures that look perfect and like this morning I was showing the kids a video of of an amazing artist but she showed pictures that she was drawing when she was little and my kids went oh hey our kids went oh hey that's how we draw and it was neat to see that development process I think too often we just see the end product we see the perfect thing and we go ah we can't do that and it becomes a block to our creativity and I think especially with kids today there's such a culture of perfectionism that everything has to look perfect and has to match and has to be this way that we've lost the ability to see the beauty in what we can create Mm -hmm. yeah and we also miss the miss the developmental process that goes along with creativity or with developing Mm -hmm. your talents because so many times we do look at like social media for example is good for this as you see the the oh wow that looks amazing i could never do that when in actual fact yeah you could it just takes some time and development yeah and i think there's a real lack of teaching that ability to sit with yourself in the development process Mm -hmm. because you're not at where you want to be you're where you are well and we're so used to instant gratification and things that it's really uncomfortable and for some people it feels like i know for me when I'm trying to work on like getting better at drawing something or doing that, I have noticed actually, I've been thinking about this since our conversation this morning, that I don't have the stamina to do it that I would have when I was younger. And I, 
I think I've fallen into the trap of thinking, oh, it's because I was better when I was younger. And it's not that at all. It's that I'm so used to getting things right away that when I don't get it right away, it's, oh no, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. But I think that for us as adults, or for me, we're at least a generation where I can step back and go, okay, no, I do have the abilities to do this. And I just haven't been drawing for a long time and I need to get back into it. Whereas like for our kids, I think far too often, they're just not even getting that with anything. Yeah. Because we have nothing that's training the resilience into them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, that Picasso quote I shared with you a while back um, about creativity and how it, it's important to just remain childlike longer in order to promote creativity. You know, the real challenge is, is not how do we become creative, it's how do we remain children or something to that effect. Yeah. But and it's becoming, in our modern society, the, there is such a, a thing of instant gratification that it is hard to, to have the, the mental resiliency to just kind of stick to it and stick through the hard parts to get to the end. And and to be okay with looking at the progression of of it too, to be okay that today the best I can do is this, mm-hmm. and and not even not being like oh I have to get better tomorrow. Just be like yeah that's where I am right now, and it's okay if I'm in this place for six months. You know, it's okay if my dovetail just can't be perfect right now. Yes, you should be trying to improve, but it's also I think there's an important aspect of accepting that as where you are and not like beating yourself up over it or giving up over it. Yeah. Except accepting the fact that there are some cracks and there are some dings and there are some things currently that, that make, make it imperfect. But that is part of the story. That's the wobby sobby of it at this point. Exactly. And then how much do we lose in our ability to create in anything when we're like, Oh, we broke that. Let's go buy a new one. Mm hmm. Instead of let's fix it or let's, you know. Yeah, it's annoying to give the broken toaster to the boy into the garage and have him just smash it apart and leave a mess. But at the same time, it's those experiences that also in the future, like I'm, I'm going to tell a story about our early marriage. Oh, good. Should be interesting. Uh, we were given a kitchen aid for our, our wedding. And how long did we have it before it? broke probably portland so like five four or five years four or five years maybe and uh and it broke and so being poor students i well before being poor students we're still we're still poor students at this point my my wife tamara who i'm talking to currently (laughs) good thing was really upset because it was given to her by your by her grandma. grandma By, I, I should, yeah, I'm talking to you, so I should just say. My grandma. But I'm telling the story. It's so, true. I guess. It, whatever. Anyway, so this KitchenAid, she received it from her grandma. You received it from your grandma. And um, so you were really upset because we were going to have to throw this KitchenAid out. And, and my grandma had just died. Was it right around then? Yes. Okay. So yeah, it was a hard time. Anyway, so I said, well, why don't we just fix it? And the thought that we could fix it absolutely blew your mind. Yeah. You didn't even know that that was possible. And so I looked online and I found the part that was broken for like, what was it, like two bucks or something like that? Yeah. Five bucks. It was less than $10. 
because I ordered two of them. Yeah. And and we took it apart and we fixed it and it worked fine for probably oh, almost another 10 years before it broke again. No, no, it broke. It five it years. Broke again. It was probably five years and then the third time was probably not, almost another five years after that and it was totally done at that point. Yeah, there was other problems with it by that point. But um, I attribute that, um, I don't want to say stick-to-itiveness or, or cheapness, maybe that's what it was because I'm a farm boy, um, but I, I, I attribute it to the fact that I did take apart the broken stuff when I was a kid. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so when it came time to try to fix this thing, the worst case scenario was is I couldn't fix it and we'd throw it out anyway. Best case scenario was I could spend three bucks on a part and it would work again. And that turned out to be the case. And so when it comes to like our kids, it's super frustrating when, when they just wreck stuff. But at the same time, that's kind of a learning experience as well. Yeah. And I think it goes down to, to things like having family dinners allows your kids to learn how to set a table. And you go from the cups being upside down and the plates being askew and all that stuff to them learning to find order and beauty in doing that. And um, and from that comes fixing things. And then from that comes creating things. I think there's an evolution in that process. And I think we do a real disservice when we when we don't give them opportunities to take things apart and to make mistakes doing other things. And along with that, and I know it's controversial, but I will tell my kids, hey, that fork's on the wrong side. Let's try and put it over there. I mean, with the two-year-old, not so much, but with the six-year-old, let's try and try and get those things to go to the right spot. I don't just go and change them though. Like I have them do it and explain why and blah, blah, blah. But I think, I don't think I realize how much those those experiences, those learning to do things, those taking apart things affect your ability to be creative in in whichever area you want to go. Mm-hmm. Because then you're not afraid to make mistakes, right? Yeah, you're not afraid to make mistakes. And when a problem happens, you're not afraid to try to fix it. And and when the when the problem is still visible, but the thing works now, that is a reminder to you that that's part of the story and that's part of the development of the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, other story. Our son has a stuffed dog named Toto that he has had for as long, I don't know, he must have been like a year or two old when we got it. I don't even know where he got it from. I don't remember. But he loves either. this dog, right? And he took it in grade one to school for show and tell and one of the kids pulled the dog's eye out. And he was absolutely heartbroken, like totally distraught when we picked him up and we <laughs> ordered some new eyeballs. It was one of those like beanie baby stuffy things and I had no idea how to fix it. But by then I was like, okay, I can't like he's going to. And so we sewed an eye patch for Toto because he couldn't handle looking at the hole in his head and he didn't want me to sew it close. So we sewed an eye patch and we put an eye patch on Toto and Toto had the eye patch for a long time because we ordered this bag of replacement eyeballs on Amazon that took like from China. Yeah, it took like a year, I think, to get there. Yeah, it was, I think it was, it was like six months six or something. Eight months. Like that. It was a long time. And yeah, you know, and then we had to figure out how to fix Tono's eyeball. And it, he's 13 now, and I don't know how many times I've replaced the eyeball in Toto 
but we've learned how to do it and how to sew the fabric and how to get the eyeball back in and all of those things. And he still loves that stuffed animal, that ratty, mismatched eyeball, sometimes stuffed animal, more than all of his other ones. Yep. It's still with him. It's it's up in his bed in the trailer where we are right now, a thousand miles from home. But And he's had lots of other stuffed animals, nicer stuffed animals. That one is the one he always takes with him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think when he looks at it, he sees the broken eyeballs. I think he looks at it and he, he loves his stuffy and he sees mom fixed the stuffy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can, going back to the story and the and the the imperfections lead to the to the beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be beautiful to someone else. Also true. I it think can that's... just be beautiful to you. Yeah. Especially when it when it comes to making things that you want to make, whether it's a writing a story or painting a picture or building a piece of furniture, the the satisfaction of making something or creating the thing that you wanted to create regardless of whether other people like it or not, should have should have value in and of itself. Yeah. That was more than a five-minute Monday. But I always enjoy talking to you. I enjoy to. You're my favorite person to talk to. That's good. So thanks for coming along for the ride on today's podcast. Uh, I'd just like to say thank you to all the patrons who do support the podcast. And I am going to read you all out in the near future because... I uh, don't have you right in front of my head right now. And I also saw a review, which I will read in the future as well. But we're not set up right now to access it or read it, so I'm not going to do that. But if you'd like to leave a review, I'd appreciate it. If you'd like to send any questions that we can answer and talk about on here, it's questions at workshoptherapypodcast.com. Just record a voice memo and email it to there and it will we'll play it on here and I promise I won't mock it too much unless it's a stupid question and then I might but my wife won't because she's nicer than me. It's true. I just want to say thank you to the founding members of the Workshop Therapy Patreon family Eric of Overall Makerworks Keith Drennan of Blackthorn Concepts Brad of Brad's Customs Matthew Serio from Arciano Serio and The Grant Alexander if you want to join on Patreon to support the show or just say thank you, I'd appreciate it.